welcome to the bit per see i've already messed up It's a very Sunday for me. Welcome to the Bits Per Second podcast, uh, the Bit Players podcast. Uh, I am Jim. I have uh, today our special guests uh, who are uh, the complete lineup for the, uh, what's, what's the title? Comedy Corner Stand Up Night. What I, I should probably look that up before I start. Uh, <laughs> the... Uh, Comedy Corner stand-up night on uh, this coming Thursday, March 16th at the Firehouse Theater in Newport, Rhode Island. Uh, we have uh, Vlad Tenenbaum. We have Andy Siren. We have Kim Tingle. And uh, coming soon, we have Carl Magner and Devin Mello. And uh, I'm going to be joining them myself. Uh, so, hey, welcome, guys. How's everybody doing? All good. Thank you. Great. I'm a little dusty today. I'm not going to. I had, I had a little too much fun at, at the parade yesterday, but hanging in oh, there. Yes. Oh yeah, yesterday was the parade. Uh, mm-hmm. The the so so the uh, the the Saturday before St. Patrick's Day uh, is always the St. Patrick's Day parade in Newport. But, but how how did that go? Did anybody uh, 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 like uh, what what was the vibe of it this year? Um, well, the the weather was kind of like you know, kind of icky and cold, and and um, I'm not gonna lie, I I pretty much took part in like the aftermath of the parade. So like all around town, there were like you know people like and well, I mean it's it's all like the the cops and the firemen and stuff, and um and and a lot of like bagpipers. But there'd be like a cop, and a bagpiper, uh, pretty much like in a car. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, but it. It, it wasn't too out of control. I only heard two two cop sirens uh, throughout the day. So only two, and they could have been celebratory sirens, I suppose. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was fun. Yeah. I'm alive, so you know. And, and any any time someone survives the St. Patrick's Day parade, it's a very it's a happy situation. Carl, how's mm-hmm. it going? I made it. We have yeah, Carl Magner. Carl, you look you look in good shape. I haven't seen you in a while. Oh, thanks. I've been I'm not working. I've been running. I, I just woke up like a half hour ago. <laughs> yeah, so did I. Me too. It's okay. <laughs> yeah, we're all having a we're all having a a, a, a daylight savings Sunday. Um, yeah, I forgot it was daylight savings. I went to put Caroline down for a nap, and I looked at my phone oh, for a nap. Like, oh, it's, okay. Yeah, sorry. Should finish that <laughs> sentence. Um, it was eight. It was like eight fifty eight, and I was like, "Okay, it's time to go down for a nap." And then I walked by the oven, and it was seven fifty nine, and I was like, "Wait, no, this is too early." It just threw me off. Yeah, uh, the uh, I thought I had a thought, but I don't. Uh, yeah, <laughs> um, cool. I'm uh, still waiting on Devin, but I figured let's get started. What I wanted to ask because I, this is my this is going to be my first time doing stand up in ten years. Uh, this show, so I'm I'm freaking out a little bit, but I'm also really excited to to do it because uh, like because I'm because I'm doing uh, I'm trying it again with friends. I'm not just going to some Rhode Island open mic where I'm not going to know anybody. I feel like I would probably uh, I would probably tank it if I did that. Um, so uh, 
what I what I wanted to ask uh, is why do stand up? Like I feel like a, so many famous people. We heard that Tom Brady now wants to try stand up. Like like what? What, what do you think? What is the draw of stand up? Why do so many people? Why do so many people want to do it? And why do you want to do it? What made you want to do want, want to want to try it? Want to do stand up? Uh, Vlad, let's start with let's start with Vlad. Well, it's very different compared to what I do um, in a firehouse in an improv. Mm -hmm. uh, usually, I'm very physical, you know vocabulary and it's not something that I do. So that would be fun for me to, to try it, to write the job, to deliver the job. Um, I have to tell you, it's way harder than I ever expected. It is really hard. <laughs> From, it is. Yeah. Um, to write the job is fine. It's not that hard, but to put it in the perspective, to make a story, to make it personal, to make it an order out of it, and make it very casual, like it's not just, well, here's one joke, here's another joke, here's a third joke. It has to be a conversation. It has to be a relationship with the audience to put it together cohesive. That's where the hard thing is. Yeah, I always thought that too. Like I, because like part of the reason I stopped doing it a while back was like I I feel like I had material, but I was I struggled at like building a kind of persona that like that made people want to watch me. Like I don't, I don't know. Like it 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 just it was really difficult. I don't know anybody else like struggle with that or like was that anybody else like find that to be their like find that to be their their actual forte and find other things hard or what? Like, I don't know. I definitely did. Same, same thing, Jim, because how I envision myself in my head or what I want to portray sometimes doesn't come out in my material or how I relate to the crowd. And so I'll tape myself or record it and I'm like, oh, I that wasn't how I envisioned it to be. Sometimes it's better than what I am in my head. And then sometimes I'm like, oh, that's not quite connecting with the crowd. So definitely yeah. went through something similar. Well, what made you want to stand up, Andy? Um, I, I saw it as a, ch a challenge. It's, it's, um, it, it is literally to me the most humbling and rewarding experience at the exact same time. If, oh. if you can take your idea, write it down, manifest it into a situation where the crowd just bursts out into laughter. It's so rewarding. E equally, it's so humbling if all you hear is crickets and you <laughs> basically in one second just want to crawl under a rock and just die. And and it's, it's or at least so that's, that's, that, that's there it is. Me. There's the reward. <laughs> that, yes. So so to me, I, I love it's I never imagined how much work it was. I always when I would see things on TV or these stand ups with specials, I'm like, oh, oh, my gosh. And I never realized the refinement and try to perfect your idea to a crowd for maximum laughs is actually a lot of work. Yeah. And like, I feel uh, I feel like even for myself, I'll, I'll answer myself. I wanted to do stand up because like I just admired stand up comics growing up like i grew up watching steve martin uh uh like robin williams robert klein like jerry seinfeld and all these people and like i 
like I felt like I had an appreciation for all the work they put into it, but I still didn't know until I did it. Like, oh God, like there's that much more because like, I think it's easy. It's easy to assume like when you look at, when you look at your typical like observational or rant comedian, it's like, oh, they just get up and talk about stuff. And no, you can't just do that. Like I saw, I, like the first open mic I went to, and I saw some guy going up there and just complaining about his office. And like, this is boring as hell. Like I can't. <laughs> uh, uh, Devin, Devin just joined us. Hey, Devin. Hey guys. Thanks for having me. Yeah. No, sorry. It was a few minutes late. I had to teach kids piano. Yeah. Uh, Are you allowed near kids now? I didn't know that. Uh, yeah. No, they, um, they lifted some restrictions. Um, uh, no more, no more hands-on teaching. Uh, so you you have to stay a certain number of feet away from the piano. Is that it, or a certain number of keys? Some certain number of keys. Oh, okay, so you can duet. You can. I, I can do. I can duet, but it has to be a couple octaves apart. Uh, oh, that's yeah. Eighty-eight's a big number. So it's a big number. Yeah. No. Yeah. Uh, um. Yeah, I mean, I'm not sure where I'm coming in in this conversation, but in regards to the, um, you know, getting into stand-up, you know, it's like, uh, I remember uh, in high school, I, I dabbled, and a friend of mine, uh, her and I did it, and in high school, we did, like, musical stuff, um, like, funny, we wrote songs and, and, and things like that, Um and so I think what drew me to it, you know, growing up, I listened to a lot of, uh, because of my parents, you know, a lot of <clears throat> Emo Phillips and. Mm. Uh, oh, he's awesome. Yeah. And Victor Borgia. Uh, and um, my dad introduced me to Mitch Hedberg. And what I loved about those wow. people in particular was just the, uh, the, like, they, all they did was just, con- like, the funniest thing in the world is just the uh is life is just the absurdity <laughs> the absurdity of real life um uh-huh. and so it sort of became like this funny thing of like when an event happens a conversation happens you see something happen you say to yourself uh like in, in random in public or in private even you say to yourself oh that's so weird it, it feels like xyz just say that just say that on stage um you know yeah. and instead of building you know like like a sketch out of something like, okay, here's, for example, and I'll give a sneak peek of a joke um, for Thursday. The funniest thing in the world, the funniest joke for me that I have is that my joke is, uh, it's sad. No, I was very sad to hear that Queen Elizabeth died. And it was very sad to hear that she died the same way Betty White died by an AR-15. <laughs> And that's the so funny to me because it's just not true. And but the two things are true. Uh-huh. That Betty White and Queen Elizabeth died and that AR-15s kill people. Yeah. And the funny for me is just like this absurd connection of the two. Um and so that's where the humor for me comes in of just like the absurdity of life of it came from a conversation with my mother when Betty White died. My mom, my mom, my mom. When my dad said, you know, Betty White just died. She was going to turn 100 in a month. And my mom said, oh, my God, how did she die? <laughs> and my man, that's so funny to me that, like, she's 99. She's turning 100 in a month. You just die. My mom yeah. said, 
So my mom said, how'd she die? And I said, she got shot in the face. <laughs> because it's like, she's 99. She's going to die. You die. You At 99, you die. But then it was so funny to me to thought of like someone who lives to be like 108 years old and they die from uh, a vending machine fall on them. <laughs> and so that's sort of like where the funny comes in for me in stand-up of sort of like, just acknowledging of the absurdity of life. Um, you know, like the guy who survived both atomic bombs being dropped. Yeah. In World War II, which is completely true. He can, he's yeah, the- Hiroshima and then Nagasaki. And then just imagining him dying, like slipping on ice. It does mm. happen. Yeah. Yeah. And so that's, what, like, that's what's funny to me is like the absurdity of it all. But like, it's so like, there's such a truth to it, even though on the surface, it feels like it, 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 it seems just like gut reaction. It's just so ridiculous and absurd, but like, it is true. It is true that a lot of people die from getting shot, which like it implied in there is this tragic thing, but like, it's yeah. so ridiculous that it's fun in, in this situation where like, uh, like a 99 year old person would and that's that's just so funny like I, yeah. I'd be, it, it wouldn't be funny if that weren't like if, if the if the dying from an ar-15 part weren't like a an honest truth about what where we are right now about yeah like, about it's, it's, it's true in some sense and so it's like, like i feel like if you said something like oh like a, a, an anvil fell on her like Bugs Bunny style, like yeah, you'd get absurdity points for that, like and just like we kind of a uh, oh, yeah, that's kind of funny, but then you like you forget about it. I feel like right. AR fifteen being the punchline actually like gets at something more. Yeah, you know, like Dick Van Dyke, he's ninety eight, he's gonna mm-hmm. die. It's like when he dies, it's gonna be the same joke, you know. Dick Van Dyke, Hollywood's nicest man, how he die? Gang related violence. <laughs> You know, the man who played the chimney sweep and Mary Poppins, who tripped over an ottoman every weekend, uh, was involved in a gang fight. Like, you know, it's just like the two can be true. Shim, 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 shiru, give me your money. I'm here to rob you. So that's why I got got it. (laughs) So you could make jokes about old people. (laughs) At the end of the day, I'm I'm ageist. That's That's where it's rooted in deep ageism. (laughs) I'm doing a a 15-minute set where I just name old people and ways they could die. (laughs) All right, Devin. uh, uh, Vlad and I are going to take you out soon, so just watch (laughs) (laughs) You've got a target on your back now. <laughs> uh, ageism, ageism, I feel like it's the best ism to be, though, out of all of the isms. So. Uh, Carl, what do you think? Racism, what, what you? no. What's okay, your, I went. What's your, uh, oh, you see. <laughs> like, what's, uh, what, what, what got you into stand-up? Um, I enjoyed comedy when I was younger, um, like my teens, and... Um, I remember like going over friends' houses and trying to say jokes, um, like a, a stand-up a comedian would, and would always turn into "shut up." Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> um, but as I you got saying older, "shut up" or them telling you to shut them, up, them telling me to shut up, um, right. them just going, "No, no, 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 stop, stop, Carl." So I didn't get invited to parties after that. Uh, <clears throat> but my senior year in high school, I took the 
took advantage of the, uh, we had a project that we had to do and I decided to pursue and see what this, uh, what the, uh, system and procedure was of doing stand-up comedy. And I took a class, met a bunch of comics, um, learned how to write jokes, uh, and the process and which it was at the time. I mean, I mean, I still think it's hard to, to write a joke, but you know, writing it then and, um, at 18 and I'm, I'm doing a show for people who are, you know, in their thirties and forties in the audience. Mm. And I'm just this 18 uh, year old, <laughs> I'm doing this, uh, uh, <laughs> They, a lot of them died from getting shot. No, uh, so <laughs> they're uh, dead now. It's okay. Um, but it was hard for me to like figure out. Okay, how do I write jokes to relate to these people who are in their thirties and forties when I'm a teenager and I think farts are funny? But then I did fart jokes and I realized everybody likes fart jokes. Farts, and I was like, farts oh. are universally funny. Yeah. So. <laughs> Um, so I just kept doing those and people would laugh and I was like, Oh, all right, cool. So, but it, it got to a, um, I think it got to a moment where the jokes that I was writing, even into like, uh, when I was 20, 21, 22, that they were still very immature. And, um, I was doing really well at, when I first started and I got cocky and, um, uh, and then I got humbled. You, you dang it. Uh, <laughs> I did. Yeah. I got humbled uh, a few times and by uh, bombing really bad. And then I took about a year and a half off from it. So I was like, I hated that. And then um, you, didn't, you didn't think about going longer. <laughs> Do you think about just rate? joining the alt right and getting yeah, a, yeah. getting a podcast on Ben Shapiro's <laughs> network? And... <laughs> well, actually it's, it, here's the thing um, when writing, well, well, no, um, the green M M&M and M was hot, <laughs> <laughs> not as hot as my sister, but you know, um, but uh, <laughs> yeah, no, I, I yep. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, so uh, conflicting so feelings I, going on there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So I, um, yes, yeah, so I took this break, and then I, I kind of just—I uh, don't want to say I matured, but um, I, I still loved it. I loved doing it, and mm-hmm. kept doing it here and there, and then. When I started doing improv, um, I enjoyed that better. Um, but I still occasionally have done like small things here and there, open mics, whatever. Um, mm-hmm. So, um, yeah. What was the question? Uh, it, it was how you. It was why you wanted to do stand up. Because oh, like, I like not, I like making people laugh. Yeah, you talked a lot about why you didn't do stand up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> More like it's it's that it's set why you're doing it. Just like there's 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 a million reasons not to do it. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but you did it. You started it from a school project. Yeah. Now, see, as I was saying at rehearsal the other night, like this is what's called uh, like project based learning, um, <laughs> where mm-hmm. uh, we'll see if you are having people over for dinner and you're having a um, dinner party, and uh, yeah, and if you like any any teachers listening are probably gonna get. Get emotionally triggered by this. <laughs> if you were, um, if you were having people over for dinner, then what would you have? What would be better to have a casserole or a buffet? 
the answer is a buffet because they can pick and choose what they want. And if anybody's allergic to anything, anybody's got food restrictions, then they do, they can they can still have something to eat. But if it's a casserole, it's all together. And that is a metaphor for every single philosophy of learning that, that I've <laughs> that I've ever been introduced to. <laughs> so like you're doing a stand-up project was like like you we're allowing you to to learn in the way that that best suits you yeah i was actually told i couldn't do stand-up as my senior project and then <laughs> but you did um, <laughs> i did it anyway you called their bluff. I like I, yeah and i it was i passed i i think um but i mean yeah, I you know that. you're here and you, you're employed so yep still waiting on my diploma in the mail but it's, it'll, it'll come soon. What's it? Yeah, 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 been, yeah. What's it been? Thirteen years. Just about. Yeah. Oh yeah. Uh, we'll get. We'll get to that. Uh, Kimmy, what what was your uh, what was your inspiration? Um. Well. Um. After I got fired from the Bit Players, um, <laughs> I. Uh, <laughs> I. And, and and honestly, circling back to that, it was the most amicable, funniest, you know, mm-hmm. like I had like the best conversation with Frank. Uh-huh. And, and 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 the funny thing about that is, uh, so the the very next day, I had to do the the Tell Newport at the Firehouse Theater. Yeah, I didn't like I I had no idea what I was going to talk about. And then and then I was like, Frank, um, can I talk about this tomorrow? Like I tell Newport, and uh, and he's like, I think you have to. And, mm-hmm. and I, and, and like, like, honestly, that, that was a, my, my first experience in, in doing stand up And I'm like, I, I had done Tell Newport before, but, but I told it from like, you know, more of like a storyteller, you know, uh, point of view, yeah. but like making it funny and having people laugh at the situation that was like, you know, super unique, you know, I'm speaking in a place that, you know, was, you know, that, that I got the ax from, but like making it into a joke and uh, like, so, so that like really like made me want to pursue stand-up more and and like even if I failed in stand-up I knew I could always go back to my passion which is serving calamari to the people <laughs> um, <laughs> it really is <laughs> that that really is the the there really is the joy in that the improv is more uh, stand-up is more the the bread and butter gig you know? <laughs> <laughs> my, my first like real like actual stand-up with that Doug Key, um, it, like it was like this anti Valentine's Day show, oh, um, yeah. which was like, um, oh my god, I've never been more nervous in my entire life. I was like, if, if this sucks, you know, again, like maybe I'm not funny, but um, luckily it went okay. I sang my, my my Portuguese guy song, one of my classics. People loved it, and then immediately when I was done, I ran to the bathroom and threw up. Uh, so like, <laughs> that makes <laughs> the, total and, sense. <laughs> so like you know like the nerves are crazy, like getting ready for, for like a, any kind of show, like the morning of, like it's this anxiety that like, can't like, like I, that, that I can't escape. And and it's not until like I'm out on stage, like actually speaking like that, that I like, I, I somehow like get this like calmness. And, and and I think the thing I like most about stand up is like, it's the one thing that I do where like when I'm doing it, I don't think about anything else. Like, and, and, and I think that's like, like the, 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 like, it's almost like, like a meditation, like, like, you know, like, uh, like nothing else matters, you know, like just being on stage and having this, like, like just being totally involved and like immersed in it. I, I think that's what I, what I love most about it. Um, mm. and, and of course, you know, like the, the, the giggles are great. Um, 
uh, yeah, like leaving leaving a show knowing that you did well is like the best feeling. And, and then I have confidence for the next hour. And then that slowly dissipates. It slowly dissipates. <laughs> and then it's back to normal. But like you, you had never done stand up before that? No. Um, I thought you had. I mean, I guess like, you know, in, in a way, like waiting tables is like you're performing, you know? Um, and, and like my friends had always told me that I was funny, but you know, like I, I never like did anything with it. And then, and, and then of course, like starting to do improv, which mm -hmm. I'm like, so or, like, I, I, I never would have known that I liked making people laugh so much, you know, if I hadn't done it. Um, and, and then, and then also like, I mean, I, I would always make up songs like, like in my head and out loud, especially at work. Um, but, but, uh, so during the, during the pandemic, when my loser ex-boyfriend dumped me on my birthday, um, <laughs> you know, I was like, I need a hobby, um, or, or another hobby rather. So I started playing like ukulele and, uh, you know, just making up like little songs here and there. And, uh -huh. um, and like, I guess my, like, sometimes I struggle with like, would this be funnier as a song or would this be funnier? Like, just like, you know, like just saying it. So, so anyhow, uh, that answer the question <laughs> yeah no like i no that just surprises me that you've never done it before but like i you said uh like waiting tables sort of prepared you for it and i think i i kind of agree with that that any job where you kind of have to uh like put on put on a face and perform for like whether it be whether it be students or whether it be people at a like you know for sitting down to eat like kind of does prepare you for for facing a crowd in that way like doing I, yeah waiting like waiting tables because they when i did the same thing bartending they'd always say a joke to customers and if it didn't go well you'd go well i get to do it again in 30 seconds so let me reword it so it's like yeah, you yeah. get that quick you get that quick open mic instead of waiting next week i'm just going to do it in 30 seconds or a minute and then you you like kind of learn quickly or, or like faster like how to like re reword things and reach like change some stuff and mm -hmm. uh right. and it's it's funny that like bringing it to your job uh it makes your job more tolerable and fun yeah and i did it when i was bartending and i was a preschool teacher you know i workshopped um that old people dying joke on the four-year-olds a lot <laughs> um, <laughs> and no, and one of my kids said he he said it'd be funnier with an AR fifteen. <laughs> <laughs> I really uh I admire him. They really do <laughs> they really do give the best notes. It's they true. really do say the darndest things. <laughs> <laughs> really Yeah, he was And he, unfortunately that kid died of old age. <laughs> he was at the age of <laughs> I mean, he he had he had the thing. He had Jack disease. <laughs> no, that that kid that, age. that kid was he was suffering from Benjamin Button disease. He, he oh, so he had already lived a life, or with or or was he was he the old person at that point? Oh God, I, were, you, I, were you teaching I, him at the end of his life, or were you teaching like the? the uh, child in the form of an old person don't be a don't be a fucking nerd don't <laughs> <laughs> listen <laughs> the story the short story is three pages the movie's two hours so what do they do wrong it's it's three hours <laughs> <laughs> he uh, hasn't finished it yet <laughs> yeah I, i'm I watching it in reverse <laughs> <laughs> oh that is how you have to watch it actually 
And I'm, pl- I'm playing Dark Side of the Moon backwards. <laughs> you have to play it backwards. Oh, that's right. Okay. <laughs> no, you play I'm Just a Kid by Simple Plan backwards. <laughs> <laughs> I never thought about that. Like, what does that sync up with? American Pie 2? Or like... <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, um, what I know that like, I've had, uh, like a ton of sort of like the, whoever the comedian I would call my role model kind of has kind of shifted a lot over the course of the like time that I've been doing comedy, but like who I'll start with Vlad, who is your, like, I know Marcel Marceau, you might, you'd probably say is your mime, uh, you, the, 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 is, is the mime you most look to but like what about for stand-up is there anything different uh yeah it is different and it kind of grew in me you know the more i could understand the english <laughs> uh because in the beginning any stand-up comedy wouldn't make my understand the joke and even when i understood the joke it didn't make much sense to me because I didn't know the whole contents of it. Uh-huh. So it took some time. But I think the person who I would mostly relate it to, to see and watch would be probably Robin Williams. Between mm-hmm. him being so physical and doing impressions and making different voices and coming up, everything very spontaneously, it was absolutely unbelievable to watch. Um, he was incredible, yeah. Another person, uh, and Devin mentioned, it was uh, that musician, Berg. Victor Borga, yeah. Yes, Berger. And uh, I thought you were about to say Bert Kreischer. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like though he took his shirt off <laughs> the machine <laughs> and how when he laughs it sounds like people are dying but I was on that train with him <laughs> uh, that was incredible to watch and uh, because it was so different from anything else you know playing uh, classical music and being a stand up in the same time and mm. make fun of something which is absolutely classical music is unbelievable that was very good and to appreciate the background of it it happened for me with jay leno when jay leno would come uh-huh. and do three or four shows in a firehouse theater and you watch it for a first time and you think that a lot of things are absolutely spontaneous and just in the moment and then you go next day and you watch it wasn't spontaneous. Yeah, it wasn't weird. in the moment. It was very tightly scripted. Yeah, everything: the chair in the front that you have to move on the back, the brand of the water that was on a chair. Everything is absolutely done, settled, preset, and you have appreciation how it was done to the point that it wasn't forced and it wasn't ridiculous. It was conversational but everything was absolutely rehearsed and that's that's really hard to do like that's really hard Very. to make it look like that uh and, and even like when uh it, it, it even that's why that's one thing i struggle with i think is even when i like do a if, if i take the same suggestion twice uh 
like for like for for an improv like scene i feel like even though the audience hasn't hadn't seen me do it the first time like i feel like deep inside oh i've done something similar to this before like and it feels like even though it's te- still fairly spontaneous it still feels like you know, i've it still it, it 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 still feels like a retread to me and like to to do something that you've done a bunch of times and make it feel fresh every time is so hard like it's impossible and yeah. uh uh when i try to write my jokes and uh next thing you know well it's not just the joke it's how you present it how you stop how you change the intonation how you make it louder or make it very quiet like it's very intimate to change all of this all at once to make the same joke it's something that you don't think about it in an improv because in in improv you just in the moment you're just selling the moment if you sold it it's great and if you didn't it's okay yeah yeah Devin, who's like who, if you had to say your like your main role model for stand up, who would it be? Oh, uh, wow. Um, like I said, like earlier, you know, I'm like, <clears throat> um, when I was a kid, uh, one of the first stand ups I heard was my parents, uh, my mom's old cassette of uh, Emo Phillips E equals MO squared. I'd love that album, it's yeah. so funny, phenomenal album, and just how bizarre it was and how bizarre he was. Um, and so like when I do stand up, like I do I had to have a different I have a couple different types of like routines that I do. I did I did a uh uh Kismet here in Providence, Okatucket mm-hmm. Comedy Club. I did a couple uh two or three uh events there where I did like solo comedy performances where it was more story based. And so like my main person for that in you know the past five, seven years has been Mike Berbiglia. Hmm. Um, and you know, I, while I, while I, you know, I love um, the bizarreness of you know Mitch Hedberg and, and Emo Phillips uh, commenting on the absurdity. I love sitting at a piano and saying weird thoughts that come into my head. Um, I do love, if given the opportunity and freedom, to tell a whole story uh, that doesn't nec- like how Microbiglia does. It doesn't necessarily have to be funny. You can, you know, it elicits, yeah. it elicits chuckles, it elicits uh, laughter, huge laughter at parts. But um, yeah, I mean, he, he, Michael Bigley is just a very engaging uh, speaker, storyteller, an individual. His, his way of, um, you know, he, he does it in his, you know, he did it on, I think it was This American Life. I was done it in his shows before where he, he makes, he, you know, he makes the, the comment at the beginning about how, you know, there are things that are funny if you're married. Uh, that's funny to no one else. Uh-huh. <laughs> how him and his wife call Massachusetts, Massachusetts. <laughs> and did that funny only to us because of the story. Then he tells the story of it. Uh-huh. Um, of why they called it Massachusetts. And it ends with a, the story ends up being about a mouse. And then he ends by saying, and now we call it Massachusetts. And the audience cracks up and applauds and then he ends by saying he he says 12 minutes ago you groaned at Massachusetts, and then you just applauded Massachusetts 
So in a way, we're married. <laughs> and I think that's what he aims to do in his routines, his, you know, uh, storytelling is to create this bond with the audience that I really admire of, you know, here are my thoughts. Here's what is going on in my personal life. Here's something unique to me, but I'm going to portray it and deliver it to you in such a way that it feels intimate and shared. And okay. no, I really admire him. And so I'm not doing anything like that on Thursday, mm-hmm. but uh, when I've done stuff at Kismet before, that's what I've sort of have aimed to do is tell a, you know, a true story and sort of have everyone along for the ride. That's yeah. That that's another thing. Like I think with Mike Birbiglia, like you you can't you can't take a Mike Birbiglia joke and tell it out of context and like have it get across. Like it's very like very dependent on like very gradually bringing the crowd along with him. He's he's a storyteller more than he is like a joke teller. And, yeah. Uh, and he and he grew up about uh, about ten miles north of where I am right now. So yeah, he's a uh, he's a good out of Boston. his childhood home right now. Yeah, <laughs> Shrewsbury, Mass, Shrewsbury. Uh, yeah, uh, I think your your cadence is a lot like his. Like your uh, like your stand up voice, like kind of reminds me of his. Not not necessarily like the storytelling aspect of it, but like the pace of it. Yeah, that was a, a a problem that I had uh, uh, that I have in my day to day life is I talk really fast and my words get all um, garbled. And I mean, I went to speech therapy as a kid. I went to speech mm-hmm. therapy as a kid because um, I couldn't pronounce my R's. And then I re- we realized that was just a Rhode Island thing. Uh, <laughs> oh Jesus! Uh, we're like, oh no, he's fucked. And that's just like he's he. We have to. And they're like, do we move to Maryland? And they're like, that's worse. Uh, Mm. Got to go drink my water. Um, But yeah, so I used to talk really fast. I still do talk really fast. And so when I did theater in high school, um, my old director, Carlos Peter Kaur, he was like, he was like, he always said, you know, slow it down. If you think you're going slow, go slower. Mm. Um, Because I would just blaze through monologues. And it was like, you're not giving anyone time to absorb what you're saying or, you know, grasp onto something. So then I'm, whenever I'm on stage, I make a very intentional note in my head to, to speak slowly. Um, and I still can't pronounce my R's, but that's not, you know. That doesn't seem to make things difficult. <laughs> no, I've, been, I've gotten to that's, well, that's from your time in Japan, right? Yeah. Carl. <laughs> Graham. All right. All right, buddy. Carl, what's your what's your inspiration? Uh you are. Um Ricky you know, meeting in your life. <laughs> you wanted it. it. You said it. Um I didn't care. Uh, <laughs> uh I, I it changes, I think, throughout the years. Uh but when I was when I was younger, the the first like real like comedy stuff that I listened to um, was there's a lot of music on uh, music comedy, like Weird Al and uh, Ray Stevens. Stevens, oh, yeah, Ray Stevens. Yeah, he did the Elvis uh, in a UFO. Yeah, yeah, he yeah. Uh, Teenage Mutant Kung Fu Chickens. Like, mm-hmm. uh, I had the cassette tape, and then 
I used to play it all the time and I thought it was, I, I still think it's, some of it's really funny. Um, but I mean, as I got older, um, I loved the intense intensity that Robin Williams had. Mm-hmm. And I hate, I hate saying Robin Williams when people say, who was your idol as a comedian? Cause everyone's like, Oh, Robin Williams. But like his, just the way that he would take things and turn it into these just out of nowhere. You're like, I, I, I don't understand how someone would think of that. Um, and uh the the intensity and the the jumping up and down i mean i know it was mostly the cocaine but um it was still funny him sober he's still he's still amazing like no yeah like that's still him like yeah the thing about robin williams is he's all character he's all persona like some of the jokes that he would do are just like street jokes like stuff that (laughs) like stuff that you would read in a joke book and but like he would sell it in such a like an incredible way and it would go like rapid fire so before yeah. you can go hey that's oh hey it's it's, it's still going like <laughs> yeah like so then as i got um you know closer to the to now it's it's a lot of the storytelling comics mm-hmm. it's a lot of the comics that can take this long thing i just listened to trevor Moore. um no tra- uh, daily show uh, Trevor Noah. Thank you, Trevor Noah. I just listened to his the other Travis, day. Travis Noah. And, yeah. <laughs> and uh Randy Travis. <laughs> it was, yeah. And it was great. It was just his like the the storytelling and a lot of his jokes was just good and the seriousness of it and then just this this funny punchline at the end. Or the situ it's the situation stuff. And I, I've always enjoyed the situational mm-hmm. I'm in this situation. I felt awful, but you're gonna love this. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is, that's like kind of what I want to go for is, you know, I've been in these weird situations and I'll tell a few of them on Thursday. Um, and I, I've just always kind of like kept them in and now I'm like, Oh wait, no, this is a funny situation to be in. Uh, and um, how do I get other people to relate to it? So it'd be fun. Yeah. Cool. Uh, Andy, what about you? Who's your, who's your role model? Um, well, uh, growing up, I actually loved, um, uh, Stephen Wright. Um, Mm -hmm. I just, I, I, that's not my style, but I was just always amazed by his brain and, you know, love the classics. Um, but I am definitely more of a, um, listening to Vlad speak, um, truly was one of the biggest honors getting a chance to meet Jay Leno at the firehouse. That was amazing. Mm-hmm. And had an opportunity to talk to him during one of his times he was there. And he, he said to me, he's like, you know, Andy, whatever you do, just make sure, you know, keep your set clean. And all I, I hear his voice in my head and it's one of the hardest things I have to do because that is not naturally me. Um, so I he meant clean oh, as in not like clean, dirty. clean as in not dirty. Not and, dirty. Uh, okay. And so, so I right. hear it. And so I, it's, he's such an idol to me and I think he's just so wonderful and his, his material is so awesome. Um, but I struggle with him. So, and it's hard. I love the Jim Gaffigan, but like one of my favorite people I'm into right now is Sarah Millican, a British comedian. Uh And um, she's, 
she's probably more of who I relate to more of myself is just being kind of looking like any everyday, you know, person my age, but just the stuff that comes out of her mouth and yet it's somewhat tasteful, <laughs> but yet has a spin on it is probably something more that I relate to. Yeah, more than more than anyone else. But I love yeah. the styles of all the comics. So I, I really do from from the rants to the storytellers to the one liners. I'm pretty much amazed with everybody. So So like Sebastian Maniscalco, he's great. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> and and you gotta remember, I'm older. So I when I went to see comics, I saw some of the dicey well, literally I went to see, I saw dice dice great. And, you know, so like I, I grew up in a time where, you know, you just bashed everyone under the sun, not that that's the right way to do it, nor will that mm -hmm. be the way Thursday goes. Um, uh -huh. But, you know, like, so there's been a real evolution in comedy and it's, it's, it's really, it's been amazing, you know, to kind of watch. Awesome. You know how like Dane Cook has his like shocker hand, no fingers? Yeah, yeah. Why doesn't Andrew Dice Clay do like a dicing motion with his? <laughs> that would be sick. Like all of his fans, he comes out and there's like <laughs> they're, they're like really fast. the dice man. Hey, hey, it's me, the dice man. We're like rolling a dice. That might get a little. Um, I don't know. Like you know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Dice doesn't dice doesn't do stand up anymore, huh? Oh, I don't. He doesn't do it. <laughs> yeah, I I wouldn't think so. But it, and then similar to like what Carl said, Jim, like I naturally find humor in just about every aspect of life, from things that are like Devin would say, like very serious. I I kind of have like a eight year old brain. I'm not pleased to admit that, but I truly do. And like I get caught doing stuff all the time that I don't mean to be. And I know where you're recording it, but I was on a meeting and I, I thought my screen was blacked out. And this is the God's honest truth. Um, I start playing with my buttons and um, all of a sudden I'm in a meeting. This is, and this is how I start looking at the meeting as <laughs> so, truly just like, just like what they did at the, um, you know, the guy in the courthouse. And I'm like, wow, why did I do that? Like, why did I feel the need to play with buttons? Like I so, should have done that. So you can't see this right now, but Andy just replaced herself with a very convincing cartoon dog. That's avatar. <laughs> yes. After yes. Avatar, my that's... Zoom avatar. And then I proceeded to do the goat, the cat, the dog, but until I realized, no, so you have to understand, I'm doing a tech run with three directors and all these people from Second City, and I have an avatar of a goat, a cow, and a cat, and finally I start getting ding messages, your screen is still up. So, like, I, that's, like, that's the truth. So, I just did that. So, like, if you're not going to take this seriously. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you need to step away from the screen. So, you know. You need um, to back off. Uh, yes. Yeah, 100%. So, I, I find just daily life is, there's so much you can comment on right there. For those well, of you. Of course, you're better than Tobin headed. <laughs> For those of you listening, uh, you couldn't see her when Andy's avatar changed to a, a cartoon dog who was also wearing a thin blue lives uh, shirt. <laughs> <laughs> thin blue lives. 
Oh, blue lives matter. Thin blue lines here, and her. Thin blue lives was right. It was thin blue lives. It's a new gym just for the police department. Yeah, yeah. No, thin blue lives. It's a it's a pro pro avatar. Listen, I'm going to leave soon, but before I leave, I just want to say thanks to Angie for organizing the whole thing. Yeah, thank you, Andy. Oh, no, it's uh, Vlad so excited and nothing, nothing means more to me than to have the people that I love the most being on the stage with me. So uh, and Andy just made a little heart motion with her fingers, yeah. like made a like, traced a little heart in the air. Uh, and, for and us, now so. her dog avatar is holding up a vaccines don't work sign. <laughs> <laughs> I, I know, but I, we try to separate the art from the artist, Devin. <laughs> uh, oh, wait, is that Elon Musk <laughs> coming up? Does he now, Bush did not Andy, do 9-11? Now Andy's using sign language to say Woody Allen did nothing wrong. <laughs> we've lost Devin's have we, feed. Have we, him, so. have we reached the... <laughs> uh, before we lose it, Kimmy, what's your inspiration? Um, so, um, I think Jenny Slate, or I know Jenny Slate is oh. like my favorite comedian. I've watched her, her, um, Netflix special stage fright about a thousand times. Oh, and like, yeah. I love so many reasons. Um, I love how like, she's just like purely herself, like her authentic, awkward self mm -hmm. on stage. Like you can tell it's not an act. It's like so genuine. I love how she like laughs at her own jokes and doesn't give a shit about it. Uh -huh. Um, and uh, I also love uh, Bo Burnham. Um, uh, yeah, um, his 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 first and and second Netflix uh, shows, uh, like yeah. both, and like so weird. And uh, and and I love how like like his songs, like they don't have to be like, long. like some of the funniest ones are like three seconds long. Um, <laughs> so uh, yeah, I I love both of them. Um, another local comedian that I'm obsessed with that I also work with, Maya Mannion. I don't know if anyone has heard oh, of Maya. Oh, I love Maya. Maya. Yeah, I, Maya I, I do know Maya. She's she's great. Yeah. I am obsessed with her, and she happens to be my, my manager at Midtown. And, uh, and honestly, right. half the shifts at work are like, you know, that table needs ranch, but who cares? How about this joke? Like, you know, <laughs> it, it, it's so much fun to work with her. Um, you could bring them their dressing, or... <laughs> or how about this one? Um, yeah, so, um, oh, uh, I love, uh, Maria Bamford. I, like, I love how, how, how awkward she is and just, like, embraces it. Uh, Kathy Griffin, Joan Rivers, um, uh, and, and of course, uh, Mitch Hedberg, too. Like, like, I, like his joke, his, his perspective, like, you know, it makes you look at life in a whole, and like, yeah. in, in a whole, you know, and, and, like, they're just, there's, like such everyday things uh but um i don't know uh yeah so those are those are my faves um and there's probably more but i could go on and on forever so anyhow but the thing is with everybody saying i can i i can kind of see all these comedians in your personas like kind of where i can see, i can tell what's inspired how, like i can tell what about joan rivers inspires you i can tell what about uh, jenny slate inspires you by the way speaking of jenny slate I just finished watching Marcel the Shell, and everyone should watch it. I haven't seen it yet, but I can't it, wait to watch it's it. It's so good. Uh, yeah. yeah, if you like Jenny Slate, you're, you'll appreciate it. Um, like, 
if I saw her on the street, I would kidnap her. Like I'm obsessed with her. <laughs> She's great. Uh, <laughs> I met her when I saw. Um, she was at Jane Pickens randomly. Yeah, um, like he was in Newport years ago. Yeah, oh, awesome. I, I saw oh, the wow. movie Jojo Rabbit, and um, I love she, that movie. She, yeah, she walked in with. Um, I'm assuming her husband or boyfriend, and mm-hmm. I was sitting and I she looked over at the time. No, and I looked over or, or Evan, it, was, it wasn't Chris Evans either, it was one of her, one of her uh, less punky boyfriends, I think. Yeah, so I looked over and I saw her and I went, I just kind of looked down and then I went, Wait, and then looked back at her. And then the boyfriend was looking at me and he goes, <laughs> He nods, he's like, He's like, Very, yeah, it's her, like, very smugly. <laughs> For those of you my second who, me, who can't see Carl nodding, um, his avatar also uh, held up <laughs> a picture of uh, Jesus Christ saying, keep Jesus in our schools. Oh, no, the sign says keep Jesus white. That was what, that was what Jenny Slate's boyfriend said. <laughs> all, all with his body language. Yeah, I would think... Given the given the movie she made about abortion, I would think that that would be a tough I love- relationship. Obvious Child is a good movie. Really. Yeah, yeah, Marcella's Show is not about that. <laughs> cool, uh, awesome. So uh, I think we're about getting about to wrap up time. Um, this is uh, this is the part of the show where we quit our bits, and so I want to ra- go rapid fire around the room and just tell me. Did, what's what's on your mind this week? What's uh, other than the amazing stand-up show that's coming Thursday? Like, what's what's kind of stuck in your craw? What are you thinking about? Whether it's good or bad? Uh, let's go. Let's go to Devin first. Um, <clears throat> this week's gonna be a busy week for me, and mm-hmm. I got a uh, I got a lot of work stuff I gotta do uh, this week. I have um, I mentioned you know some of the bit players know this. I know I'm on the I'm on a committee right now to pick the new director of my school um yeah that's right you ended up yeah. on a committee and then my committee uh really uh you know sort of like a threw my name into the basket as a joke sort of like when i applied to harvard uh you know just like give the boys in the office a laugh but uh, uh yeah well, committees they actually need people because nobody ever wants to sign up for those things <laughs> no and uh but yeah so i got you know i got a whole bunch of uh meetings tomorrow regarding this big big committee stuff and so i gotta like go get my my act together and so that's frustrating and then uh yeah and now that i've shown my cards of having a little bit of responsibility at work they've asked me to lead a workshop at work as well uh so i have to write that so i got a lot of uh got a lot of mature things i gotta do this week before uh before adulting am i right hashtag adulting hashtag adulting guys mama needs her wine President Trump, more like I mean, um, Cheeto Man. Adulting is hard. I'm so glad that Cheeto Man's out of office. I speak fluent sarcasm. Don't talk to me before my glass of wine. I'm through living. It's time to start laughing and loving. Um, but yeah, so I got a lot of uh, mature things I got to do this week before I talk about uh, like dick stuff on stage on Thursday. All right. But like save the dick stuff for Thursday. Yeah, I'm going to be doing a live reading of I Love Dick. Um, <laughs> Uh, the dick monocles. Monocles. Carl, what do you think of monologues? Uh, that's a different thing. 
No, I'm right. Uh, no, Dick Monocles. It's a guy who makes monocles after uh, um, Briss. He makes the, plug Dick Monocle into a He makes AI the monocles. Yeah, the, <laughs> yeah, uh, the the frame is the is the foreskin. Wait, I got one more. Uh, the the vagina bionicles. It's two women <laughs> talking about. Oh, and they're by. And they're by. Yeah, bionicles. Why are they leaving? <laughs> Carl, what are you bitching about? That situation that just happened. Uh, <laughs> <The situation. laughs> so I'm I'm gonna kind of relate it to Thursday. I know you said not really, but like okay. it's been something like for the past couple of weeks where like trying to write and um when I first had when when we first had Caroline was first born, we um were uh, I was I forgot who I was talking to, and they were like, "Oh, when you get start doing stand up again, you're gonna have tons of material because um, mm-hmm. you have a kid." And and I was like, "Right, right, right, right." Um, she hasn't done anything really, <laughs> so I have no material for kid like, stuff she, yet. <laughs> she, she sleeps through the night. Like, yeah. yeah, and I'm like, "There's no real like, haha moments." So I'm just sitting with a, with a notebook, and she's not doing do something. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but um, getting stuck on that. That's, that I'm gonna I'm gonna say that's it. You know, she's just doing what she's supposed to, and not being funny. <laughs> well, there goes your <laughs> there goes your easy material, Carl. You have to <laughs> think of something. Uh, uh Andy. What are you bitsing about? Uh, I um, am unlike Devin, and I'm not going to adult. Um, and I have to get an inspection sticker for my car. Oh. And um, as Devin has occasionally been in my car, um, it is scary inside. Um, and I don't want to be judged by the person giving me my inspection sticker. So I am going to somehow hide uh, the condition of the supplies. I like to call them supplies, not um, trash. I call them in case I'm ever straight. You might have to use that empty Duncan's cup. Like, you know, it's, you in case never, you have to pee on the road or something um, like that. Yeah. I would have to be a very good aim, Jim. So I'm just. Uh, you got to get yourself a shiwi. I, w- I would have to do that. So, um, yeah, so I'm, I'm, I just want to make sure that I don't get judged uh, when I get my inspection sticker. So that's, that's what I'm focusing on. Yeah. I always get that, that feeling too, but it like fades pretty quickly. They're just yeah. like, they, they don't care. <laughs> they don't. They, they truly don't. Thank God on that one. So we yeah. just like, here, that'll be 40 bucks. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I'm like, yeah, I'm paying it. So yeah, that's about it. That's it, Jim. They generally don't even care what condition the car is in. Like, yeah, it works. <laughs> it get you down the road. There you go. Yeah. Kimmy. Um, well, um, I just found out that I'm pregnant and I'm not sure who the father is, but I'm hoping it's the rich guy I hung out with earlier this month. Oh, um, cool. But I guess I'll find when when it's born. Um, and then <laughs> and other than that, um, I have to clean out my fridge because every time I open it up, something smells so foul in there. Like I'm almost terrified to oh. figure out. And the last time I let my fridge get this bad, uh, I coughed, I gagged so hard that I blew a, a blood vessel in my eye. Oh, so wow. um, say a prayer 
uh, both for the rich guy and, uh, you know, that for, I don't pop For up. your eyes, mainly. <laughs> yeah. Hey, you really buried the lead there going into the fridge stuff. <laughs> <laughs> you really breezed by. Uh, yeah. Well, yeah. Well, that's my style. Hopefully I uh, do okay on there. And, and, and also, of course, like I'm nervous for Thursday. Well, I'm, I'm always nervous, but like before show, but especially this one, because, you know, if I bomb this one, then again, I'll go back to my passion. Serving, <laughs> serving calamari <laughs> and laughing with my Amanian behind the... Yes, not that bad actually. Yeah. Uh, and I'm bits and about just just because I am I, I haven't I haven't even written my set yet. Like I, I'm just like I'm I'm still trying to compiling it from like old jokes and new jokes, and I'm still trying to put it together. But I'm like I'm nervous in a really like happy way for Thursday. Like mm-hmm. I'm really excited for how this is going to turn out, and I'm super excited to perform alongside all of you. What's a joke uh, that you're not going to tell on Thursday? I'm not going to tell the like the e- extended um, the extended bit that I did on the death of Anna Nicole Smith in <laughs> 2007 <laughs> or whatever. Oh, it's topical. It's, it's still but, it's like uh, yeah, no, that was in my Edge Lord years. I did a bit about like how funny it was that she was trying to. She, she spent the second half of her life trying to bilk this old guy out of his money and then she died like a year later like it, was, <laughs> it, it didn't go well uh, so I'm not going to be doing that joke on, on Thursday uh, none of the none of the Michael Richards uh, routine um, <laughs> no it's a I'm not I'm not saying it I'm performing a monologue of Michael Richards I'm doing it in character <laughs> I'm not saying it. Michael Richard said it, and so now I'm doing a dramatic retelling. A dramatic retelling of the Michael Richards. <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, so uh, this Thursday, if you're in the Newport area, the Firehouse Theater, uh, 7 p.m. Is that the time? 8. 8 p.m. 8 p.m. All right. Oh, a clean edit. 8 p.m. Is that the time? <laughs> that is. Yes. <laughs> At 8 p.m., Firehouse Theater. Uh, all of us are on the bill. Myself, Vlad, Andy, Kimmy, Carl, Devin. Uh, I'm not sure what order, but uh, there's a poster that I will post along with us that has it. Um, so thank you for joining me today. Uh, and just for a second, it was really nice to talk to all of you. I'm glad we could do this. Same. Thank you, Jim. All right. And, and uh, was- retroactive thank you from Vlad. Uh, thanks for listening. We bit, when when we're not doing stand up, the bit players perform every Friday and Saturday at eight p.m. at the Firehouse Theater in Newport, Rhode Island. Bitplayers.net for tickets. Theme mucus. Theme, theme mucus. The, the theme mucus is by uh, uh, is by Doris Duke, uh, the band that is almost all bit players. Um, anybody got anything else to say before we sign off? When I first joined, I didn't know that we were doing a podcast. I thought it was just talking about the show. And then when I noticed it was being recorded, I went back and looked at all the texts that I didn't remember <laughs> reading yesterday, right before the show. <laughs> yes. No, this is this is on on the record, Carl. Uh, yeah, and look- it is the Devin's holding a sign that says, uh, "Your body, my choice." <laughs> and, <laughs> for the record. And Jim is covered. Uh, and Jim is right now signing the letter uh, defending Roman Polanski. <laughs> I'm right underneath uh, 
right underneath David Lynch. <laughs> we, we all love him, but we know he's the better. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks for listening to Bits for a Second. Have a good day. Bye. Bye.